Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has all the odds, props, promos, and parlays you need during the bowl season in college football. 40 bowl games, a chaotic playoff picture that's going to have Michigan versus Alabama, Washington versus Texas, great college football on the way. You can use our promo code BLEAV. B-L-E-A-V with the link in the description to this episode and you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit over at Bet Online Sportsbook. Bet Online, where the game starts. afternoon or good night however and whenever it is you may be listening thank you for stopping on into another fantabulous episode of the take it easy podcast live on the believe podcast network Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of this podcasting thing. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose. And we greatly appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. It's Wednesday, December 27th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count. And Regardless of when you're listening, whether it's a Thursday, a Friday, maybe it's 2024, maybe it's 2023, however and whenever you might be listening, we appreciate that you have decided to give us the time of day and we hope that we can make your day just a little bit brighter. Got a bit of a special treat for you today here on the Take It Easy podcast because When we first started doing the Take It Easy podcast, I was a freshman in college. Well, really, I was a high school graduate. I wasn't technically starting college yet. It was the summer after I graduated high school in 2019. It began as a sporadic podcasting thing to just kind of gain confidence in public speaking and doing the sports talking ability stuff. And so it started out as that. It was a public speaking exercise. We just turn on a microphone for 45 minutes a day and just talk into the microphone about whatever should pique our interests. And over time, the Take It Easy podcast has evolved in different concepts, different podcast formats, friends of the show that have become a essential part of the show over now four and a half years of putting it together, which it's crazy to say that it's been four and a half years of the Take It Easy podcast. And as we've advanced through this sports talk, sports analysis space and wanting to pursue our dreams and make this more of a career type of thing. And as we've said for years, make $75,000 a year talking about sports, which would accomplish all the dreams that we had set out for ourselves at 18 years old and being a sports nerd and using sports as a coping mechanism for childhood trauma and just finding means of escape and throwing yourself into sports and knowing all sorts of sports information and all the curiosities and interests around sports and storytelling that sports can provide 
all of this stuff that is interesting around sports and, and this unique little space that we occupy, all of our interests, all of our varying degrees of sports analysis or jokes or storytelling through means like podcast series and books and long-formed podcast episodes that we've done on the show they've all evolved and changed and we've been really interested in doing a lot of this sports talk stuff and this was a new moment of advancing and pursuing our dreams and all of the support that you guys have given us have helped us to support and continue these dreams I mean I've talked for years about how We've wanted to continue advancing in the sports talk radio space. We've gone to do sports radio in Sacramento, which is where we live now. And uh, graduating college, it was a super fun way to enter the sports radio space as a part-time position and then a full-time position. And now we had a fun little game and exercise that we got uh, to. We had a new fun experience in the sports talk radio space, and that was doing pregame for the Sacramento Kings radio broadcast and in a, a holiday season, we moved some stuff around and we got the chance to co-host with uh, Scott Marsh, who, who does the game night every night, a veteran broadcaster in the Sacramento sports area. And it was just super cool to put that together coming off of Christmas, traveling back from vacation and being able to put this together. And part of why we moved the Take It Easy podcast to a three-day-a-week format, sometimes four days a week. This is what Wired Up adds a fourth element or a fifth element, depending on what type of episodes we put together or connecting with one of the friends of the show. Uh, the sports talk space, the moving the Take It Easy podcast to three days a week instead of five days a week was in part so that we could pursue endeavors like this. And I wanted to share it with you because this was the first time I got to co-host Kings pregame for their game against the Blazers on Tuesday night. And so come in Wednesday, I wanted to share the conversation we had with you. And there's some in-depth basketball analysis stuff. We talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves, everything that's going on with Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert and the number one seed in the Western Conference. Uh, we're going to talk about the Portland Trailblazers, who ended up beating up on the Sacramento Kings. I know this is pregame analysis, but the game ended 130-113 to in favor of Portland beating the crap out of the Sacramento Kings, despite the fact that they didn't have Shaden Sharp or DeAndre Ayton playing in this game. We're really excited to talk about Portland. We talk about the Christmas Day games. We talk about Jaime Jaquez. We talk about everything that's going on in the wild and wacky world of the NBA right now and I'm just really excited to share it with you guys because I had a grand old time doing sports radio in Sacramento and getting a chance to co-host in addition to producing Sacramento Kings basketball and uh, this is one of those landmark moments of like hey we have advanced in the sports talk space I know we did a, a draft show and we got to do some analysis at the back end of the draft show that we shared with you guys that was a landmark moment uh, some of the fun conversations we've had with our friends talking Niners and NFL football that we've shared on this show have been landmark moments in terms of the podcasting and sports radio space and now we get a beautiful beautiful opportunity to share with you the first time ever that I've gotten to co-host Sacramento Kings pregame live on the Sacramento Kings radio station, and it's really cool and really fun, and this is some of the stuff that we wanted to pursue when we moved the podcast to three days a week, and opportunities like this 
that we could divert our time, energy, and focus to and actually prepping and doing really fun basketball analysis is just a landmark moment of some of the stuff that we've been talking about when we say supporting our dreams and asking you guys to continue supporting the podcast, which you guys have come in droves. We talked about how I was surprised how after we moved from the five-day-a-week format to the three-day-a-week format, our podcast uh, listeners increased in the week's that immediately followed. We are at 240,000 all-time downloads on the podcast, which is just absolutely incredible. I cannot thank you guys enough for inching closer to a quarter of a million downloads, a quarter of a million freaking downloads in the history of the Take It Easy podcast, which is just unfathomable to think about, unfathomable to think about over four and a half years of putting this show together. So today, as a special treat, I wanted to share with all of you and sharing the gratitude that I've had for you guys, our conversation around the Christmas NBA games and the Minnesota Timberwolves and Sacramento Kings basketball on the Sacramento Kings radio station doing pregame before the Kings took on the Portland Trailblazers. It was an hour program. We've cut down the, the program without commercials and some other, you know, some pieces in there that are less important to the show that I want to share with you guys. It's been edited down to about 35 minutes and I can't wait to share it with all of you because you guys have continued to support our dreams time and time again. And this was a really cool opportunity. And I know that you guys have continued to come through time and time again to support our dreams. And I know that the fruits of that labor, whether it's the Follow the Spurs Dynasty docuseries that we created, whether it's the Spurs Dynasty book, whether it's any of our long-form journalistic podcasts that you guys have done, the fun, silly bits that we've created on the podcast that you guys have retweeted and shared, uh, the conversations that you guys have had with me on Instagram, whether it's with the Take It Easy podcast, the comical sports memes pages that we've had, all the fun that we've gotten to have over the years in this weird and wacky sports talk space. This is just another fun addition to the pursuing of our dreams and I had a really fun time getting to co-host Sacramento Kings pregame on Tuesday night, and I wanted to take that opportunity this morning to share it with all of you, because I am quite proud. That little serotonin boost that is bubbling through my, I guess, bloodstream, I don't know, just chemicals that are racing through my body, getting that little bit of serotonin for advancing in this sports talk radio space, which is the foundation of this podcast. If you've listened to us over the years, you know this podcast used to be pretty bad. And to go from that to sounding like a semi-professional broadcaster, I mean, we are professional broadcasters, but sounding like semi-professional broadcasters on radio doing an official Sacramento King pregame show. It just, it just feels so wonderful and so exciting. And without further ado, after expressing all my gratitude and the pride and the, the excitement around the opportunities that are going to come for us in the near future around the, the CKSAML production space and the books and the podcasts and the radio shows and the Instagrams and the Twitters and all the fun stuff that we've gotten to do. This is just one more layer on top of all the fun that we've had. And I cannot express how grateful I am for all of you because your continued support of our dreams has made opportunities like this possible for us. And this is a four year building process that has led to moments kind of like this. So without further ado, let's talk some basketball, huh? Let's talk basketball here on the Take It Easy podcast. Uh, this is courtesy of the Sacktown Sports Game Night broadcast from Tuesday, December 26th. And a very pleasant good evening to you. Hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas out there. 
As we get you ready for game night tonight, Kings back in action. They have made their trip to the Pacific Northwest. They are ready to take on the Portland Trailblazers. Scott Marsh here, the high flyer under the weather. Unfortunately, the Christmas bug caught him. He will not be here tonight. Kyle Ledbetter is back. Kyle, it's good to see you. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. I did have a very Merry Christmas, very refreshing, and I'm excited to be back. I'm excited for some Kings basketball tonight. It's been a week and a half since I've been here. Yeah, you've been traveling Seattle, San Diego, so it's good to have our crew back. We wish Henry the best. Of course, Kings Live pregame will be here at 6.30 tonight. Jason Ross will be in for that. G-Man with the call up in Portland, 7 o'clock tip. And the Kings getting a couple late gifts today as Malik Monk and Alex Len have both been put on the active roster for tonight's game. So that's a very Merry Christmas gift. That's something we all wanted for the Kings. Of course, Malik Monk did not play on Saturday night, and the Kings got drubbed by Minnesota 110-98. to Alex Len, he's missed since November 13th. It's hard to believe, but he's been out for about six weeks, and his presence could have helped the Kings in many games. It'll be great to have him back in the middle, off the bench. We'll see how Mike Brown uses him in addition to JaVale McGee, but it'll be nice to have another big man because the one thing we saw uh, a couple of times during this homestand, the Kings finishing 4-2 and two on the homestand, but when they did have problems, they were having problems in the middle. No doubt, Minnesota, their height, their athleticism bothered the Kings in that game on Saturday night. Uh, again, losing 110-98. to 98. Rudy Gobert, had a monster night for the T-Wolves, 21 points and 17 rebounds. The Kings just didn't have any answer for him. But Minnesota is a team that is long, they're active. And now that I've seen them in person, I, I can see why they're leading the West. I was very skeptical about this team and did not think that they would be off to nearly as good a start as they are now, uh, especially after all the trades they made uh, last year. I thought... A couple of very poor moves after the deadline with Los Angeles. They gave up Torian Prince. They gave up Jared Vanderbilt, uh, D'Lo in a Lakers uniform. But I tell you what, what they have left is pretty good. They may not be as good off the bench. They only got in that game against Sacramento 13 bench points. But they didn't need a lot more because Gobert was so good. Anthony Edwards, this kid is already a star, but he is an emerging superstar He had 34 points, 13 of 27 from the field, had 10 assists. And to me, like when we talk about potentially, and I'm talking potentially the next great player in the league, you've got to put Anthony Edwards in that mold. I don't know what his ceiling is, but I'm looking forward to seeing that over the next several years. I feel like he has the mindset, the potential to be something extremely special. I mean, he's special now, but I'm I'm talking like best in the game special. I love to watch him play. He's got an extra passion level that is just very rare in this league. And when you start mentioning names like MJ and Kobe, I mean, that is kind of ridiculous at this point because they're in such stratified, uh, stratified air that I don't really want to go that ridiculous with Anthony Edwards. But I do feel like his ceiling is about as high as it gets. And I, I want to see how high he can get. And what I love about the Ant-Man is that he wants it badly. You can tell when he's out on the court, he is on a mission there is no wasted action with him, and he's a guy who just consistently wants to get better. Now, he did have five turnovers in that game, and that's something he'll have to work on. But as we know, most all-stars, most great players turn over the ball a lot. Just look at Steph Curry. Look, when Kobe Bryant was in his prime, um, they turned over the ball a lot as well. So Even guys like Russell Westbrook and James Harden 
historically, you know, the quadruple double was a joke that people made. They were averaging seven, eight, nine turnovers, but True. they were still high. But Anthony productive. Edwards is better than James Harden, so. Well, I mean, as of right yes. now, this, these guys, when they were MVP forms. Yes, that's true. James Harden was a turnover machine. I, I would I would give you that. But I, I'm I'm just looking forward to seeing the overall package of where Anthony Edwards might go in this league because I do feel like he's got a chance to be talked about in a very, very special, special stratosphere in this league. So we'll find out. As for the Kings, again, without Malik Monk, I am concerned about the bench. And it's great timing that they are getting Alex Len and Malik Monk both back because the bench has been a little less than than great, especially over the homestand. And again, they got four wins on this homestand. So that, that's nothing to shake your head at. Um, you know, they got the first three, got to that 3-0 start. They finished 1-2 and two in the, the, the final three games. Phoenix, boy, that team right now is a team in disarray. They played yesterday, did not play well. They got run off the floor again. So, uh, Phoenix right now under 500. The Kings are currently at 17 and 11. Uh, Darren Fox uh, had 27 points in the game against Minnesota. Uh, as you'll recall, he did not play the first time against uh, Portland. It did not matter. Portland, uh, the Kings able to beat Portland by three points here back on November 8th. Uh, Keegan had 20. Sabonis went for about as quiet a triple-double as he's had maybe in his career. His 37th all-time triple-double, his fifth of the year. He had 17 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. All right, that's a look back at the game from Saturday. That look back brought to you by Folsom Lake Honda. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop. Uh, Mike Brown in the post-game presser. You know, he really wasn't um, as upset as I thought he might be. He actually said he thought his team executed the game plan throughout the most part. I don't know if I can really buy into that or not. The Kings were down by 20-plus points at times in this game. Never, to me, really felt like they were in it. They did make a late fourth quarter run. They got to within five, and Anthony Edwards took over in the game. But, you know, I think in the big picture of things, Mike Brown didn't want to put a a, a stain on what was a good homestand for the Kings at four and two. But I did feel like he might be a, a little bit more upset. And again, I think the common theme, and Kyle, I, I want to bring you in for this, because you've been high on Minnesota the whole the whole time here. You, you said that you like Minnesota's team. They're obviously... Uh, if not the best, one of the best defensive teams in the league. They're long, they're athletic, and it's not just in the middle. And Carl and Anthony Towns didn't even play in this game, but they're long at every position. M- maybe not the point. Mike Conley isn't a huge point guard, but if you go down the list, Jaden McDaniels goes 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, Kyle Anderson, slow-mo, is big. Go Bear, of course, we know he's over 7 feet tall. Anthony Edwards goes 6'8". Uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker off the bench is big. Nas Reed is big off the bench at 6'10". They're long, they're athletic, they get after you. And I think what we're finding in the league right now, and this is something that will be really interesting for Monty McNair and his staff as they get towards the trade deadline, there seems to be a real desire for for tall athleticism. Now, the league seemed at one point to be going towards three-point shooting and versatility and if you can play the one, two, and three, switch them out, that would be great. Small ball. But if you look at the best teams in the league, they're long, they're tall, they're athletic. The Nuggets, for example, are a very long and tall team with with the Joker and Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon now, and that's how they got over. Milwaukee, of course, has been one of the longest, most athletic teams in the league with Giannis and and Lopez and, and go on down the list there. It seems like maybe there's been a changing of the guard in terms of how teams are constructed. And for the Kings right now, 
they're not necessarily constructed that way. That way, I'll be interested to see Alex Len if that helps a little bit. But the the Kings are more constructed to hit three point shots and and play with a ton of pace. Yeah, and it's interesting because we said all last year the Kings struggle with teams who have length, and now we come out this year and it's a similar type of issue. You know, Boston gives them fits, Minnesota gives them fits. Other than the Warriors, no team has beaten the Kings more in the last two years than the Minnesota Timberwolves. Obviously, three wins last yeah. year. They got them here early this year. So, I mean, Minnesota is a really long and and skilled team. Um, Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Sixers, termed uh, this type of hybrid like the super skilled fives. And it goes from like smaller players who are great at shooting and, and dribble moves and stuff like that. And then over this last generation, we've taught six foot nine and six foot ten guys how to hold the ball and run offenses and yeah. and things of those sorts. So I, I think the the way of the league right now is super skilled fives happen to be the the best players in the league when you talk about Embiid and Jokic and sure and Gobert doesn't really fit that mold. I mean, he's a great defensive player. Obviously, he is a true five in every sense of the word. This is true, but I do think as underrated as or as as controversial as as the beginning of his career has been, I think Carl Anthony Towns fits the mold of the super skilled five. And I know that he plays four on this team because of well, Rudy Gobert. What's but. interesting, I mean, the big cat is a five playing a four. He, he's a true stretch four, a, a big stretch four, whereas Sabonis is a four playing a five. Mm-hmm. And it'll just be inter- interesting to see. I mean, that, that will, I don't know how you fix that if you're the Kings. And I don't know if, if you want to fix that because that's part of the, what makes the Kings so great is that they play with such pace and Sabonis has mismatches on a lot of nights, but he's also mismatched on other occasions as well. And to bring it back to the Kings, Keegan Murray is another long athletic player who we're seeing this year is coming to his own yeah. on the defensive side of the floor. Yeah. And personally, I think if Keegan Murray were playing the three for the Sacramento Kings team and you had a lengthy four who you could play alongside Keegan and Sabonis, we might have a different conversation about the Sacramento Kings and their length. Uh, obviously, the roster is constructed as it is right now, but I still think the Kings are are up there when it comes to length. I mean, having... Sabonis, which is essentially a point center at the focal point of your offense with Keegan Murray and with Harrison Barnes and and with Alex Lennon, JaVale McGee, who are more traditional centers. You know, I think the Kings have a fair amount of length on the team. It's just when you stack up against a Minnesota who has Jaden McDaniels, Nas Reed, Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert all able to come at you on the offensive end of the floor, in addition to the defense that they bring, it's it's just a different animal. Well, it is, and I mean, so many teams now, because the Kings are going to face this Minnesota, L.A., Denver. I mean, we're talking about April, May, and June right now. The Kings proved that they could uh, be effective with this last year, and they had, again, an incredible offense year, the best offensive-rated team in NBA history. They're on pace again to get right where they were last year, right around 50 games, but I think... I don't know, as we're looking at the new year, is there potentially concern about this team and where it's going to go in the playoffs based on where it's at right now? I mean, the tread deadline's not till late February. Um, and chemistry, is a, it's, a really, it's a really fine line. You don't want to mess with that at all. And if you bring in another big, per se, how that affects Sabonis. So there's there's lots of things there on the on the – the, the trend, though, the trend is good for the Kings. They're in a, a great spot right now at a 17 and, a, and 11. and uh, But just nights when Minnesota is in, it makes you reflect about maybe what the Kings need to do to take it up another notch. All right, our look at the points in the paint from Saturday night. The Kings 
were outplayed in the paint. Um, 66 of 52, the total score. 33 field goals in the paint for the T-Wolves, just 26 for the Kings. That look at the points in the paint. Brought to you by our good friends at RT Painting, your reliable and trusted painter in the Sacramento market since 1998. All right, game night's underway. We hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas. If you're out on the roadways, take it easy. We know they're pretty jammed right now. We've got you covered right here. We'll take you until 6.30 Kings Live pregame uh, from 6.30 to 7. And then the tip tonight, 7 o'clock, Kings and Blazers right here on Sacktown Sports, 1140. Welcome back in the game right here. Sacktown Sports, 1140 Kings and Blazers tonight. As Sacramento has three games on the road now before the new year. Portland today. They'll be Atlanta on Friday, and they finish up on New Year's Eve against the Grizz. And how about Memphis right now? They're 3-0 since Jaws returned. Draw gets player of the week. Everybody's feeling good right now in Tennessee with what the Grizz are doing. They're still way back in the standings. The Grizz are just 9-19, and but obviously having Morant back has made a huge difference for that team. We'll see how far they can extend that. Uh, the Kings will get a chance to see them for the first time on New Year's Eve. As we said, the Kings went 4-2 uh, and two on this homestand. They started off 3-0, wins against the Thunder, the Jazz, and the Wizards. They got beat pretty badly by the Celtics, and then they took care of business against the Suns before getting beat pretty badly against the Timberwolves. Kyle, the 4-2 and homestand, are you happy with that? I think 4 was the, the barometer that most of us thought would be a pretty good homestand for the Kings. I saw some people who were really upset about the loss to the Boston Celtics, and I think it was just the way that they lost where the Celtics... They got crushed. Th- not only they got crushed, but th- they had, I believe, seven players in double figures. It was a really tough game, but... Four and two altogether, I think Kings fans should be happy with how it played out, especially that because they got that win against Phoenix on Friday in a game where Kevin Durant went for 30 points and it was a wire-to-wire victory for the Sacramento Kings. Those are the games they're going to have to win if they want to get to the place that they want to get to, which, you know is at least advancing further than they did last year. So I think big wins against Phoenix. That's something that you can take away. It stinks to lose to Boston, and it stinks to lose to Minnesota, but they are the two best teams in the West and East, respectively, for a reason. They are. Those are the teams that could easily meet up in the NBA Finals. The Suns right now, as we said, are under five hundred. I don't know if that could be considered a big win, in all honesty, the way that uh, uh, Phoenix is playing right now. But regardless, the 4-2, and the win over the Thunder, to me, was by far the best win of the homestand. Uh, The Thunder are 18-9. and They've played really good basketball. They're long and athletic as well. But overall, I think it's great. It's just, it's a matter of expectations. We're one year ahead of where we were last year. If you had told uh, fans last year at this time, it'd be four and two homestand, they would be, be thrilled about it. But right now it's just, again, I don't know if people are really excited about uh, 48 or 50 wins. That's the pace that the Kings are on right now. They're, they're really thinking about a first round uh, playoff win in a series and thinking about what the lineup has to look like. So when they're looking at teams like Minnesota, when we're looking at teams like Boston that we know uh, could make a deep run, um, 
the fact that Kings weren't really all that competitive, I think, is something that is a little eye-popping as well. All right, game night being brought to you by the Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Sacramento during this holiday season. As we know, there are so many kids out there who have just uh, a one parent. They come from a one-parent household. Uh, maybe you could be that volunteer uh, extra mentor in their life. If you have a heart of service, you want to do something good in our community, consider Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Call 916-646-9300 or visit bbbs-sac.org to learn all about becoming a volunteer mentor. All right, so we said Kings and Blazers tonight. Portland is a team that is struggling mightily. They're 7-21. and 21. Uh, since losing Damian Lillard, there just hasn't been much there in Portland. Anthony Simons has been playing well for them, uh, but he's been up and down a little bit injured as well. Portland's one of those teams where know they're going to be in the lottery. And uh, uh, Kyle, as you look at the road trip with Atlanta and Memphis, certainly in Memphis to close out uh, 2023, Portland's a game you got to get tonight. Absolutely. And I know that our friend, the high flyer isn't here tonight, but the thing that he's been saying for as long as I've known him is he never overlooks any opponent that the Kings are playing. And at the same time, this is a Portland trailblazer team that is firmly in the tanking group. They are at the bottom of the Western conference. And we expected some of this after they traded Damian Lillard and prioritized, you know, draft picks in that deal. Obviously, they got Drew Holiday and then flipped him to Boston. Uh, They haven't had the healthiest season. Obviously, Scoot Henderson missed a bunch of games earlier this year. But, you know, Portland is still a very good team. They have players who I think give the Kings fits, especially DeAndre Ayton down low. I know Ayton has been a, a controversial figure of sorts early in his career because of how everything went down with Phoenix. But I think DeAndre Ayton's a very, very good player. And if... He does come out tonight, and if the Kings end up matched up with him, I think he could give us fits. But you're right. The, the Kings are the Kings are one of the four best teams in the Western Conference, and these are the games that you have to win along the way if you're going to maintain being one of those best teams. And and they did that at home. They the, Against the teams that were deemed poor teams, whether it's the Jazz or the Wizards based on their standings, the Kings took care of business and dominated both of those teams, and they should expect to come out and do the same tonight. Yeah, I agree with that. DeAndre Ayton, it's another interesting matchup for for the Kings. I mean, he, he's a five. He, I mean, obviously the number one pick a few a few years ago in the draft. He really hasn't lived up to that. Obviously, he's had some moments. It didn't work out in Phoenix for him. Uh, Portland, he's still trying to find his way a little bit. He's a guy who's uh, capable of of putting up twenty five and ten, no doubt about it. But he's also a guy who likes to play on the high post more than be a true banger down low. Yeah, and it's interesting because coming out of college, it seemed like that game was going to be something that suited for him. And in the last segment, we talked about Carl Anthony Towns, and that was the comparisons we were hearing a lot about with Aiton coming out of Arizona. And it just hasn't been that for him in the NBA. And I think that's why he's he's never really been talked about uh, in an all-star conversation or taking the next step. Uh, I I don't know if people regard the start of his career as a disappointment because he was the number one pick in the draft and because, you know, for all the chatter about the Kings passing on Luka Doncic, well, the, the Phoenix Suns also passed on Luka Doncic to draft DeAndre Ayton. So, you know, we'll see what happens tonight. I, I'm a big fan of his game, but I understand some of the skepticism. I mean, he was, for all intents and purposes, the, the third best player on a team that came within two games of winning the championship. They were so close to getting it done against Milwaukee just a couple of years ago. Now, of course, that team had Chris Paul 
on that team as well. Absolutely, and and so, Michael Bridges has turned out to be a pretty darn good player. And, and let's not forget Cam Johnson, who who is a big time scorer. I mean, so but anyways, uh, for Portland. For Anthony Simons, this is a guy who has a real chance to be a special player in this league as well. He's gotten over 30 points four times, season best 41. He has scored 25-plus eight of the last nine since coming back from a thumb injury. So this is a guy who they're trying to build their team around. Jeremy Grant also, to me, is just one of those underrated players in the league. He's averaging over 22 points a game, signed that long-term contract in Portland Maybe regretting it now, but he's getting paid at least. <laughs> yeah, that was a really strange situation, right? Portland ended up signing Jeremy Grant to an extension, didn't really do a whole lot else, and then Damian Lillard came back and said, we didn't do enough, I'm ready to go, and and be traded to another team. And now they're saddled with $160 million over five years well, that's for the, Jeremy Grant. That's the thing, is Portland really rebuilding? That's the, that's the thing I can't understand. I mean, they had to move Lillard. Uh, he wanted out. They didn't accommodate Miami. Ended up making that huge trade where they got some pieces back, but then they made a secondary trade uh, with Phoenix. Uh, they they have some pieces, but it, it doesn't feel like a winning combination. They are still straddled with some long-term contracts. So I, I don't see them uh, getting out of the bottom of the Western Conference anytime soon. Well, especially not this year. And and like we said earlier... I'm talking it, next two or three years. I mean, I'm not talking just this year. We know this year they're not going to. It's interesting. I'm not sure what the timeline is going to look like for them because right now their best player, for all intents and purposes, is a 19-year-old. You know, they believe Scoot Henderson is the it's player true. who and is... And he's been injured too. Yeah, and, and so has Simons yeah. and... They got Robert Williams in that trade with the Celtics, he's and now been he's, injured. he's done for yeah. the season, sure, and sure. he won't be back. So, you know, I, I'm curious to see what it looks like. I thought that the Thunder were going to be down for three or four years, and it was really only two before they bounced back. So I think the thing that's most important for them is prioritizing the development of Scoot Henderson, because Anthony Simons is a really, really good player. I no think doubt. this is what he is at this point. I don't think there's a big leap coming for Anthony Simons. Maybe you can say the same for Shaden Sharp, although he's only in his third season, so I think there's still room for growth there. I think that the Portland Trailblazers are at least two years away, and they have some very talented players on that team. It's just going to be about figuring out which ones they want to prioritize their development long-term and which ones are you know, not for long in Portland. Yeah, no doubt. The Kings need to take advantage of this tonight, especially with Monk playing Alex Lund back. The Kings, first time all season, they've been fully healthy. And that's been interesting because last year, all we talked about with the Kings is how healthy they were. That's the reason they were so good. Well, the Kings really haven't been totally healthy this year. I mean, they haven't had any devastating injuries, and we're going to knock on whatever right now (laughs) just to not jinx it in any way possible. But they haven't been as healthy They've held on. The record is as good. In fact, it, it's outpacing where they were at this point last year. That's all the positive stuff with the Sacramento Kings. But I don't know at this point in the year, I can say the Kings are a better team than they were last year. I think some of the nerd stats that I like to look at would agree with you. Last year, at the end of the regular season, they were ninth in net rating. This year, they're sitting at 15th uh, in win shares from star players on the team. They haven't had as many uh, other than De'Aaron Fox, who is having a potentially starting in the All-Star Game caliber season so far. But I, I don't know. I think the thing that's making it a little bit more difficult is that the rest of the Western Conference has improved from last season. You look at 
what Minnesota has done, what Dallas has done, put, bringing in Derek Lively and, and getting more reps for Kyrie and Luka on the floor together. I mean, Luka had the 50-point game. Yeah, but Kyrie Christmas, hasn't been but... playing of late. I mean, they've been better together. We'll yeah. get into that in the next episode. We'll get We've... into that. Yeah. But, the, yeah. but the Kings are getting to where – the Kings are just as good as they were last year, if not maybe a little bit worse, and the Western Conference is providing more competition. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. Holiday, we isn't it? We have full reign right now. I feel like um, you know, Macaulay Culkin, home alone. Well, you see, I work many weekends here at Sacktown Sports. You know it's like to be home alone. I am used to being home alone here at the station. I have to admit, I was a little lonely because I got here before you tonight. Mm -hmm. And I was like, where is it? I'm not used to being in this building all by myself. Hopped off the plane at Sac International and just came here for some Kings basketball. That's that's what we're excited about. That's a good reason, and we're glad that you're here. All right, let's go around the league. Christmas, a lot of people think it's the kickoff day for the NBA, like it doesn't exist in November or early December. It's the first time they start paying attention to it. Obviously not us here in Sacramento, but there were five marquee games yesterday. Uh, the Knicks avenging a loss on Saturday, beating the Bucks 129 to 122. Jalen Brunson brought 38 points in the sleigh to Madison Square Garden. He was fantastic. He's having another all-star type season, all-NBA year for the Knicks. He was great. All right, the game we want to get into nuggets and warriors denver wins that one 120 to 114 uh the joker only had 26 points 18 of those came from the line he was 18 of 18 from the line uh the warriors did not get to the line as much steve kerr was not feeling festive afterwards he had a rant not so much attacking the officials because he thought the officials are good but more so about just how the refs are being trained these days. Here's Steve Kerr's thoughts after the Warriors game. They're all across the league, we have really good officials. I have a problem with the way we're, we are um, legislating defense out of the game. That's what we're doing in the NBA. The way we're teaching the officials, we're just enabling players to BS their way to the foul line. Um, if I were a fan, I wouldn't have wanted to watch the second half of that game. It was disgusting. It was just, you know, just baiting, baiting refs into calls, but the refs have to make those calls because that's how they're taught. So So there you go with Steve Kerr. Obviously, he was not happy at all, and it really stemmed because there were a few times where uh, the Joker looked like he was fouled, not necessarily in the act of shooting, and they gave him continuation, and Steve Kerr challenged uh, in the game about that, was not... Uh, thrilled about that, and uh, I, I don't know what to make about that. I, I I don't really agree with Steve Kerr on that one. I think, if anything, the Warriors have taken advantage of the system because they play the most fluent offensive style, or they certainly did in the past. I mean, they're a little different now, but they're still constant motion, especially with, with uh, Steph, and a lot of times I think they're the beneficiaries of calls. So I, I don't know if I could go that far. I think... It might have been more frustration. It's interesting that he picked Christmas Day to make those comments. He knows it's a highly visible day. He was definitely uh, had had something in mind. It wasn't something that just came off the cuff. It's something that he wanted to highlight on Christmas. It was one of those games that the Warriors were also in it right at the end. So I think that played a factor. It's like in close games, the referees have more of an impact. And, you know, personally, I've made the call years ago, I think it was after that Rams-Saints NFC Championship game, that I'm just not going to be the overly critical referee person. So. Yeah, but that was a terrible call in that game, and I'm a Rams fan. Just, yeah. That was a terrible call that was missed, and, it, and it, it, it affected how they changed 
the ruling yeah. in the game. But there was nothing in the Denver game yesterday that's going to affect the way games are called. Absolutely. And I think it's the 18 free throws sure. for Jokic that he's specifically yes. pointing to in this and the, yes. the comments that he made. And, yeah. you know, Jokic is very good at baiting and switching on some of those yeah. foul calls. And, sure. and I think that was kind of Steve Kerr's complaint is that that shouldn't be rewarded. Sure. And, and players do that all the time. And we see that. And I, I feel like the league has eliminated that a little bit. I mean, what used to be three free throws is now just two because everybody would try to put up a three-point shot behind the line. And the league has put in a rule that if you're not actually shooting a three-point shot, you get fouled. It's either side out or, or two free throws, right? So I I don't know. I, I feel like it's a bit of overkill. I, you know, I, I, I don't... F- Obviously, it's a different game than in the 90s. We know that. But I, I don't want the league to go back to how the game was officiated in the 90s where it was just basically beat everybody up. The skill level on the offensive side of the ball is so high right now. It's really hard to defend players in this league. And I think that's part of the conversation. I think part of it is just you know some of the, the ticky-tacky bait-and-switch type of plays that Steve Kerr was upset about. Yeah. But the, the level of offensive skill set, and especially from Jokic. I mean, sure. Jokic can... Give you, as Henry says, all 31 flavors. I mean, he's posting you down or he gets you at the three-point line. You think he's going to shoot it and then he's drawing contact because he's got you off the ground. I mean, there's so many different ways that Jokic can come at you. And the bottom line is the Warriors have nobody to match up with him. And nobody in the league does, but the Warriors certainly don't. The Warriors, well, they they have one who could give it an effort, but we know that he is indefinitely Draymond has no shot against the Joker. None. He's gotten through so with his body type. He has gotten through some incredible defensive situations. But you're right. I mean, yeah. we saw it in the finals last year. Bam Adebayo, who's one of the better defensive centers in the league, no had chance. no answers for Jokic because it's collapse and now we've got a guy in the corner yeah. or one on one. He's going to go over you with a hook shot. I mean, yeah. it's Jokic is such a unique player, and I think this is a tipping point, like you said, for Steve Kerr. Yeah, I think I think it was more frustration, but it, it is interesting the timing. It was not just off the cuff. Um, all right, Celtics and Lakers, that was the game everybody was most interested in. The Celtics went in and beat the Lakers 126-115. to 115. Uh, Anthony Davis had a huge game, 40 points and 13 rebounds. It wasn't like he didn't show up on yesterday. It's just, you know, when the Celtics are rolling, I think they are the best team in the league. And with Porzingis this year going for 28-11 and 11 like he did yesterday, and with Drew Holiday, an upgrade, in my opinion, from Marcus Smart. This is the best team in the league. Absolutely, and all of the the numbers back this up that they're the best team in the league. I mean, before they even got Drew Holiday, they were looking like one of the best teams in the league, and before they even got Kristaps Porzingis, last year they had the number one net rating in the entire NBA. So how do you get much better than first? Well, the Celtics are proving it this year. They're far and away the best. Also, the Lakers are now, I believe, 9-15 and 15 in non-in-season tournament games this year. Yeah, they're 7-0 and 0 in season, and to your point, they are 9-15. and 15. They've been good at home. They're 10-4 and 4 in L.A., and to me, the Lakers are still a team that's built for the playoffs, um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that all shakes out. I think out. there's a move coming because D'Angelo Russell got moved to the bench. He for did, game. and Austin Reeves isn't starting now. I think they'll move him back to the start, but they went long also. Uh, but the Celtics, nobody can match up with the Unicorn and Porzingis. And, you know, we saw that in Sacramento. The Kings had absolutely no answer for Porzingis. And that was a tough, tough game for Sabonis. When the Celtics are playing their best, they are the best team in the NBA. Yep. All right. And when this guy's playing his best, he might be the MVP of the league. Luca gave everybody a huge Christmas treat yesterday uh, in the late game as Dallas beat Phoenix 128 to 114. Luca went for 50 points, 15 assists, and six rebounds. Fourth time in league history that somebody went for 50 
on Christmas. He tied Rick Barry, who had a 50-point game. Wilt had a 59.36 rebound game. I would have loved to have seen that one. And then Bernard King, one of the greatest offensive players of all time, went for 60 at the Garden back in 84. But this was definitely one of the great Christmas performances of all time. Luka Doncic is absolutely incredible. And he's in great shape right now, too. Absolutely. And I know that people have noticed that he takes a a particular interest in beating up on the Phoenix Suns, going all the way back to the Game 7 in Phoenix that they won by 40-some-odd points. I mean, he... He goes to work against Phoenix, and I like that that's a little bit of a budding rivalry. I'm I'm with you that I'm upset that it wasn't Warriors and Kings, or at the very least just some better matchups on Christmas Day. And maybe Joel Embiid being out sucked some of the energy out of that game, but Dallas and Phoenix is a nice mini rivalry. Yeah, no rivalry Jimmy Butler there. in that game either between the 76ers and the Heat. But Jaime Jaquez, though. He played great, had 31-10. and 10. Heat won that game 119-113, and then... Um, uh, that rounds out the five games. Overall, it was a great NBA Christmas, and uh, Luca was the nightcap little stocking stuffer at the end that was so fun to watch. And the Mavs are 18 and 12. They're playing well. They don't have Kyrie right now, but this is a team that I I think I think they're for real. Grant Williams and Derek Lively coming in have transformed the the Mavericks in a way that I did not think was going to happen in the off season. when they fell out of contention last year. And, you know, ended up missing the play-in altogether. It looked like this was going to be a bit of a doomed experiment. experiment. Yep. But they've they've added some length. They've traded out some pieces that were bad fits last year. And this thing seems to be working better around Luka Doncic. I won't say it's fixed. They did make a Western Conference Final when they had Jalen Brunson. But this thing seems to be getting on track for Dallas. They're I think they're fifth in the West right now. Yeah, they're also 10-6 and six away uh, from Dallas, so they're playing well on the road. And the Mavs are fifth in the Western Conference right now. They're a game back. For the Kings, they'll be in Atlanta on Friday. They close out 2023 in Memphis against the Grizz, a team that's surging. They won three straight. Grizz are trailing at the half right now to the Pelicans, 48-43. to Hawks are in action as well. They're leading at the half over the Bulls, 56-50. to So the Kings undoubtedly will see two of the best point guards in the league and Trey Young and John ja Morant upcoming Anthony Simons is a guy who can absolutely light it up for the Blazers. He's had eight straight 25-point-plus games that the Kings will have to contend with tonight. But as we look at the scores, Kyle, the game that everybody is intently following here is in Detroit right now, where the Nets have opened up a seven-point lead with 3.33 to go. Pistons at 2-27. and They've mm-hmm. lost 26 straight. They can set the... Single season, most losses in a row in a single season with a loss here. And it looks like that is going to happen, barring a comeback. And why would you think this team at 2-27 and would come back right now? I mean, they got to win one at some point, right? John Morant came back on Tuesday, and he's won more games than the Detroit Pistons. He's not in a Pistons uniform, though. I know. It's just, gosh, it's incredible that they have done this. The record all time carrying over seasons is 28, so they're almost at that one as well. Well, if I were to add on to the the pain, their next game is at the Garden against the Boston Celtics. So I don't think think that's going to work out for them. And then after that, it's Toronto, Houston, at Utah, at Golden State, it's yeah, it's not looking good for Detroit. Well, it hasn't looked. I mean, when you lose twenty six in a row, it doesn't matter who you're playing. No, but I just this team doesn't feel like a historically bad team, and yet you look up and 
they they really don't have much else. I mean, even Cade Cunningham has been a bit of a disappointment, even as he's gone for 43 in yeah. a loss against the Hawks. He's like, played well in stretches, but, you know, it's hard to figure out. They started off 2-1. and one. That's the thing that's so crazy about this, and they've lost 26 straight. So, again, that game late fourth quarter, Nets leading by seven. We'll update that, and Jason Ross will have that throughout uh, I'm the Kings broadcast him. as well. All right, Magic... Uh, leading the Wizards, who have been terrible this year too, one nineteen to one thirteen. The Wiz Wizards are five and twenty three. They're two and eight at home. Uh, Pacers uh, trailing in Houston right now, sixty seven sixty four. Tyrese Halliburton's back and playing, fifteen point seven assists. Alperin Sengun, fourteen point six rebounds. He maybe the next up-and-coming center in this league. I'm going to petition for him to make the all-star team. Not at the expense of Demonis Sabonis, but I what do, do you, think he What do you do to petition? What do you, what, what, what does I'm that just mean? going to use my platform on local Sacramento radio to point out that Alperin Shengun deserves to be an all-star this year in the West. All right, I like that, and he certainly is worthy of consideration. He's had an outstanding season so far. Uh, let's see here. Timberwolves are back in action. They are trailing to the Thunder and OKC 66 to 60. SGA has 16. Ant-Man has 14 at the half. Jazz are leading the Spurs, who have been historically bad too. Uh, that score 64-60 Utah. The Spurs are 4-24. And I'm, I'm, you know, Webinyama's had some nice moments, but overall, I, I don't think he's been, just from a number standpoint, as good as I thought he would be. No, I think some people had this vision of him even at 19 years old coming in and lighting the league on fire, and that's just it's not really practical like it was when Tim Duncan was playing four years of college, and especially and on that team too. They, I well, mean, yeah. the Spurs have some talent, but they're they're more like the Pistons than they are than yes, you know, a, a I think team that is a, fair. A playoff caliber. Team. They are, they are about two or three top end prospects away. I know Jeremy Sosham was a, a former lottery pick, but that has not worked out the way they hoped. Uh, Keldon Johnson is is very good, but there's rumors that he's not a good fit with Vassell's that Vassell's been pretty good. Vassell's been pretty good when yeah. healthy. Obviously, just got the big extension, but the, they have some work to do to figure out how the roster will fit around Wemby. They do, and I hope a lot of people got your Spurs book for Christmas. I, I hope so. I was so. pushing that. I'm see, I'm seeing a couple of orders on the good. on the online database. So the some Spurs of you guys dynasty, I love it. On Amazon, you can get it. Kyle Ledbetter is an author. He's broken it down, and it's a great read. All right, Hornets and Clippers later on tonight. That's in L.A. Hornets will be here on January 2nd as the Kings will be back home in 2024. All right, for Kings and Blazers tonight, it's time now to look at the injury report. And for really the first time all season since the opening week, the Kings don't have any injuries. This is pretty amazing. They are fully healthy. Everybody's ready to go. Malik Monk is back. Alex Len, who's been out since November 13th, will be back as well. So we'll see. Hopefully the Kings can keep this report for a while here. The injury report brought to you by the Arnold Law Firm, providing justice for you since 1975. If you're injured, call the Arnold Law Firm at 916-777-7777. That's easy to remember. 916-777-7777. All right, Kyle. Last few seconds here. What are you thinking tonight? Like we said earlier, this is a game that great teams in the league win. Sacramento should expect to come in. And I'm just excited to see the whole team together again, to see Herter and Monk and Harrison Barnes and Keegan all playing together at the same time. Obviously, Fox was hurt earlier in the year. Just very excited to see the whole team healthy. And welcome back, Alex Len, because I went to one game this year, and that was the game he got hurt. So I'm glad to see Alex Len back in the lineup. Well, good thing you're not in person in Portland tonight, then. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.